If you enjoy this show, subscribe to youtube.com slash comic pop for even more deep dives into your favorite comics. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland, a mysterious, all-powerful character, but a crusader for law. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am Sal, and I'm joined today by Jim Zub. Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Of course. It's a pleasure, always. Yeah, it's, uh, we're recording this on a, on a, a Friday afternoon. It's yeah, nice. that's right. It's good. Yeah. What, yeah. Um, what are we talking about today? Well, good question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to kind of get your two cents on is a really important fundamental aspect of the comic book industry that a lot of people either don't know about or disregard because they don't like know about it slash care about it. Right. And I think it's really important. And I've been meaning to do like an actual like in-depth kind of like how to guide. That's not what we're doing today, but you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, about pre-orders. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's gonna sound like homework, but I promise there's gonna be fun to be had in this episode. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have fun and 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 rap for a little while. It up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I promise you, like when we're done, I think you'll understand why this is a thing. It, maybe it shouldn't be a thing, but it is, and this is the way it right. works. Like, you, we're not going to change the world, ladies and gentlemen. We're just going to try and get your books to to survive. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is one of those things that you know everyone always hears about. You'll always hear everyone say, "Oh, it's the new solicits have come out," and people are like, "That's cool." So can I buy it? And you're like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you can't. Like, why, why not? I don't understand. And back yeah. in the day, you know, like in the, in the eighties and even I think the early nineties, you, the hard, hard, hardcore collectors were keeping track of solicits. Yes. But everyone else I think was just going into the comic book store, you know, once a month or sometimes every week or whatever it may have yep. been, what's on the stands, what's in my pull file. What am I going to get? Or, or, Oh man, how did that book end up on the wall already? I wanted to have one, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and 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 now everyone gets that information and it becomes this prognostication of oh look at the solicits. Oh, look what's going on. Is this yeah. series canceled? Is this, you know, coming out and and um I you know, I don't know if it's just my thing. I I want to demystify some of it and kind of explain how it works and what's good and what's bad about it. You know, um yeah, and and hopefully motivate uh some of your viewers and and my readers and all those kinds of people just to think a little bit more about this stuff and decide what books they want to sort of put their muscle behind. That's yeah. right. Because like, it, it's funny, you think about why a book is canceled mm -hmm. and you, you'll see message boards or whatever the equivalent is today. I just use that as my ubiquitous <laughs> expression for, but like, you'll see it on YouTube and podcasts and on like online and Reddit and stuff like that. Like explaining, yeah. let me tell you why this book got canceled. Like mm -hmm. so-and-so screwed up. The art was this and that. No, at the end of the day, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the book got canceled because folk didn't buy it. At the, the, end vast, of the, day, the vast majority of the time, that definitely is the case. Like a book does not have the kind of groundswell of support that you think it does, or, you know, it might have a lot of um, social media chatter, but unless that translates over into sales yeah. and not just a, you know, a blip on the radar, not just issue one, not just, you know, uh, uh, some controversial or shocking kind of turn issue, yeah. but over the long haul, how do these things kind of pan out? And, and um, I think that it would surprise people, you know, if you actually look at longer trends on some of these numbers, on some of these books, how they work. And particularly now, we're seeing more and more Marvel and DC series that are tapping out at 
whatever, you know. Yeah, they don't even bother. Issues. Like they just yeah. go, okay, we're only gonna we're we're we we're, we're planning on only like twelve right. issues or so. Right. But they'll call it an ongoing and then they'll just oh, last issue and away you go. Yeah. And it, yeah, you know, that's uh an unfortunate kind of reality of the thing. And and this year by this year, I guess I could I mean twenty twenty, but right. uh I think <laughs> we, has we got it a couple extra months into twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Has has um kind of exaggerated or or enhanced that kind of feeling of yes. what the hell's going on because the ship list just kind of got thrown over someone's shoulder and yeah. then run over several times and then <laughs> rained on and then picked back <laughs> up and then they uncrinkled it and they went, what are we shipping? What's going on? Right. And, and, you know, books didn't come out when they were supposed to. And some books came out like and, a week early. Like I know there yeah. were a bunch of uh, DC books yeah. a couple of weeks ago that just were on the shelf and they're like, that's coming out next week. I bought those yesterday. Right. I think, I think it's, yeah, just weird chaos all around, yeah. which seems somewhat on, on, you know, on target for 2020 as right. a whole, but um, you know, kind of in general, it's weird, right? Because in the eighties and nineties, one of the reasons why you would be reading a series on a monthly basis and then you would get that one issue that was written by someone else, drawn by someone else, and half the time wasn't following the subplots of the current series, yep. what they called a fill-in, was because the books had to come out every month, same time. <laughs> the entire business was periodical and that, you know, there were no trades. Uh, I was actually tweeting about this a couple of weeks ago. Someone said, what was your first trade? And I had to think really deeply about it. And I was like, long shot because <laughs> marvel that series was so hot and the original issues were so they were up on on the wall of every comic book store yeah and marvel realized there was value in reprinting this thing which was very rare at the time um and then the next trade i think i got was the dark phoenix saga because nice. you couldn't afford those single issues either that was impossible but nope. they kept referencing those stories and it was driving people crazy because they couldn't read them yeah you know yeah. I remember my friend had the Dark Phoenix saga and I just I look through I'm like I have no idea what this like I have no idea what's happening but I love the cover and, and I love right. the, the idea of like the girth like there's just so much of it oh my God. yeah but the funny part is is I didn't have a shelf for comic trades because they no. didn't exist so I begged and boarded these trades and I put them in my comic box in alphabetical order in numerical order where they fit you know yeah so you'd just be flipping through single issues and all of a sudden you'd hit L-O and then like this big long shot trade yep. just goes flumping past or whatever. <laughs> yeah, mine was, uh, I think, The Birth of Venom. It was the McFarlane McLeany <laughs> Spider-Man nice. book. And I remember bringing it to my comic shop when I was like, you know, a year later, the 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 plastic sleeve that it came in, long destroyed. Right, right. I want like, hey, to get a new one. And they're like, you, they don't make bags and boards for trades. <laughs> like, what are you crazy, kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He literally was. I'm like, I'm like eight. <laughs> you know, yep. he's like, they don't make that shit, man. And I'm like, okay, sorry. But that's where the comics go. They go in the bag, they and then the, the bag, bag goes in the box. Yeah, like, they're like, no, not those. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird kind of thing, right? Like now, literally, there's shelves of trade paperbacks behind me. Like that's the majority of my comic collection. Yep. But you know, at the time, that was not a thing. And so the market was in a different place. The way comic book retail worked was in a different place. Your hardcore uh, collectible fans, they might have checked the catalog or they would be checking off exactly what they wanted, you know, yeah. reading Marvel Age and Wizard Magazine and, and, and checking in on what they should be looking out for. But now, um, you know, the market's in a different spot. And the way that retailers, the, the kind of margins that they need to maintain 
um, what they call shelf copies, like literally just having show copies, like in case someone wants to pick stuff up, you know, back issues are in a completely different kind of headspace than they used to be. And so with those kinds of limitations, retailers are cut to the wick, like they've got to order what's going to go in a subscriber's box and the hottest books, they want to have a handful of copies. Yep. And, you know, they have to decide if they want to order stuff um, on ratios for variants. And we can talk a little bit about that as well. Oh, yeah. Cool. Because how how do they how long do they have before a book comes out? Like, how long do they have to prognosticate? Right. Oh, this book might be hot in uh, two months. Exactly. I have to order however many copies. And then so, I'm on the look for that. Exactly. So, like, the solicits just came out for May yeah yeah so they just came out for may now and we're at the end of january so you're talking about a four month but that is online the actual catalog i think might be hitting next week at the stores mm. so you're talking about just under four months and okay. it's you've got to think that far ahead in terms of okay is this going to be a big deal you know uh and then they've got a, they have uh two different deadlines they have their what's called initial orders which come in. And I think those are, I want to say eight weeks out, maybe nine weeks out. So you're talking just over the two month mark. Some retailers going to come in the comments and go, you're wrong. Zub. You're oh, wrong. I know it. They, but, uh, <laughs> well, and, uh, and it varies too. Like I know. That's yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Cause it depends on if the book is coming out at the start of the month or at the end of the month. Right. Exactly. But they've got to order for the entire month and stuff like that. And then you've also got final order cutoff. Right, FOC. Right, FOUC. Right. So, uh, or as we lovingly call it in the industry, oh, when are you fucked? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of a, uh, you know, uh, when is your FOC? When are they going to be making the final decision in terms of copies that are going to be coming out? You know what I mean? And so there's this like burst that, depending on, um how much interest there is between initial orders and final order cutoff sometimes you'll see uh publishers will do a blitz of social media or advertising if they feel like they can goose those numbers or they can raise um you know visibility on something yeah in some extreme cases they may offer uh variant covers or other special promotions mm -hmm. so there's a standard discount that um the, you know, the weirdness of comics, right? The retailer is buying those copies from the distributor. Yes. And then they're selling them to you at the suggested retail cover price, or sometimes more if it's a variant or something like that. Mm -hmm. But they can get a deeper discount on what they buy, depending on how many copies they order, how many copies they're ordering of the entire publisher's lineup, and then sometimes other special promotions that they're putting together, you know? Right. And those can be insanely dense like ridiculous formulas of oh if i order 10 copies of this i'll get a reduction on that and i'll get extra copies of this and yeah. all kinds of craziness a lot of algebra uh to it, try and figure out what their customers are gonna buy before right. long before they're going to buy it right but what cuts through all of that all that red tape makes it the simplest version of that possible is if one of their customers says i want to read this Yes, that's it. That's the simplest thing. There's a reason why most comic book shops, um, you know, kind of live or die on their pull box, right. because that is, in theory, guaranteed, you know, orders Fail. and sales. It's as simple as someone asks for something, someone gets it. Yep. And so they can build their order list around that. And that also helps inform what kinds of things their customers like. If all of a sudden, 
a book that they didn't wasn't on their radar is getting a bunch of pre-orders that can generate a lot of goodwill in terms of them looking and going what why have I not heard about this? I want to find out more about it. Is this something we should be promoting internally? Is this something that we should be, you know, pushing as well? Yeah. Yeah. And, look at the, uh, oh, sorry, God. Oh, go ahead. No, I was sure. going to say, look at the boom explosion where mm -hmm. boom was a publisher of like mainly licensed properties for a yeah. while. And then suddenly uh, something's killing the children and it becomes the sleeper hit. Yeah. And then you got, we only find them when they're dead and once, once the future. King, yeah. And and all of these titles say and all these titles popularity, which comes from a groundswell of support. I, I I promise you, it's so funny how many people are like, oh, this book is coming out. Let's do a media blitz. Let's talk about it. And how little that translates to sales, but how right. much word of mouth really is what sells books. And how like a retailer goes, Oh my God, all these boom books are suddenly selling. I guess I'll start looking more heavily at exactly. what boom's making. And, and that's the thing, because we are inundated with everything from banner ads to, you know, uh, um, huge billboards to uh, marketing on a nigh constant basis, yep. it can be absolutely exhausting. It's just sort of this soul crushing thing of, oh, you're telling me I need to buy a thing. You're telling me I need to watch a thing. You're telling me I need to get a thing. Yeah. But what seems to cut through all of that is one of your friends or someone you trust says, hey, you know what? I read Someone's Killing the Children. It's great. That's or it. a writer you deeply respect says, holy crap, this is the best book that I've read in years. Yeah. The Department of Truth was coming out. Right. And, and all of a sudden, everyone was like, this book is phenomenal. Because what they wisely did was they sent out some advanced copies to a bunch of professionals. Mm -hmm. And you read it. You go, this is awesome. Why? You got to tell people about this right. thing. This is good stuff, you know. Um and I think that that's the kind of stuff that actually seems to matter now. You know, when your friends tell you they have a PlayStation 5, that's actually more potent than giant billboards telling you the new system is coming out or whatever. That's very know. true. And it's yeah. funny because the, you think that these companies that are all, for the most part, subsidized, particularly the big two, by their mega conglomerate overlords that they have these marketing budgets. And it's just like, well, why don't they just spend a little bit more and really get the word out? Right. Number one, no. Like there are <laughs> <laughs> there is no marketing. No. Uh and number two, even if it were there, you'd just be inundated with the marketing strategies of 70-year-old men who have no idea how the market works today. Like <laughs> right. I, right? Like it's just like, well, I guess I guess I'll get banner ads. Like I guess I'll get like, you know, native like uh, you know, Google ads. Right, right, right. And the Facebook reality ads. is we are now you know, us as an audience, we're now used to kind of avoiding all that kind of marketing or exactly. we just let it wash, wash over, over you. Yeah, I don't care. You know, right. I mean? a good trailer can potentially get your brain onto a movie. Yeah. But again, it's like, it just depends on on if there's enough buzz and there's enough chatter and there's enough interest. You know what I mean? Did Red Letter Media like it? I'll watch it. You know, like, right. that's like, like it's this fascinating thing where I had, you know, I had read articles about the Mandalorian coming out and I was like, yeah, Star Wars on TV. Eh, maybe I'll check it out, but I'm going to go rush. And then that first episode came out and all of a sudden everyone I knew and trusted was like, this show is amazing. It's yes. pure Star Wars. And I was like, all right, all right, slow down. I'll check <laughs> out. Give me a minute there. Yep. And so, um, your pre-order, your your 
you know, putting your money where your mouth is and, and telling a retailer, telling other people online, all that kind of stuff that has a, you know, that has a value to it, particularly right. the pre-order, even more so than the social media hype, even more so than the, the, you know, uh, marketing or whatever that they're going to put in there totally. because the retailer now says quite simply, you've put your money down or you've made a commitment to buy this thing, you know, sight unseen as right, well, you know, and, and so that proves to them that there may be greater potential in that than waiting to see afterward. Yeah. Know? Now here's, here's the thing that I think about when I'm considering like how to get people on board for pre-ordering. Now, when you first hear pre-order, if you're a video game fan, you're like, oh, no, those are bad. Those are toxic. <laughs> like, trust me, it's a little different. Sure. With, with Also a different price point, too, right? Right. Yeah, you're not pre-ordering a $70 game for $120 yeah. uh, to get, like, what, a tiny statue. Right. But instead, you're just like, there are so many comic book fans I know who read a series. Like, they re they're reading a series. Whether they love it or hate it, they are buying every single book. Mm -hmm. And yet, I'll bet a fraction of a percent of those people are pre-ordering their books and it's like you know if you all pre-ordered that series they'd never cancel it right exactly exactly you know one of the most frustrating things for us as creators and i hear this time and time again is that people will discover a series you know later on yes and they'll be like i don't understand why they're not still publishing this right you know what i mean uh and occasionally occasionally you can get such a groundswell of interest that a book can come back but man it's so much harder it's yeah. so much more difficult because now the door's already closed and you're trying to pry it with the crowbar and you're trying to prove something kind of after the fact. You yeah, know you're literally I mean? saying like, I know that no one bought it last time, but I promise next time will be different. Right, right. And these people make their their living and yes. keep the industry alive based on them knowing how things sell and how they sold. So like, yeah. they're not going to listen to you for the most. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so something as simple as, you know, it, there's something we call, you know, market attrition or standard attrition of a, of a book, a book is going to launch. The number one generally is going to be the best selling issue of a release. And then there will be, depending on the book, either a soft or a steady decline in readership. Yeah. And then something exciting happens. That's why they want to kick it into an event or that's why they want to change up the creative team or whatever they're going to do. So-and-so's got a new costume, whatever, yeah. to try and get you to turn your eyes back onto it or get people who didn't, weren't previously reading it or lapsed readers or whatever it is to try again right. um, to get those sales back up. And then the attrition kicks back in again. You know, the most potent thing in the industry is stability. If you have a book that is holding steady and it's making money, that is a very powerful message. That basically says, we like what's happening right now. We're not going anywhere. Right. If a book can rise month to month, that is defying gravity. That is defying its, its normal attrition pattern. A book like Immortal Hulk that for a while there was gaining 10%, 20% per issue. And you're just like, this is <laughs> not unprecedented, but so rare as In to today's be like, world. Yeah. Yeah. That people are kind of turn their heads and go, I got to see what that's all about. Cause why is there so much? good word of mouth why is there yeah. so much excitement in and around this concept you know what i mean right um and that that kind of stuff is it changes things like it changes things on that series but you know al ewing's career 
suddenly took an incredible, you know, rocket ride because he was doing something no one else, not no one, but very, very few creators were doing like him and Donnie and, and, you know, Tynan and a couple of guys, like very few people were turning new readers and cranking up numbers on that in that kind of way. Right. And so all of a sudden, you know, editors in the industry at large look and go, that is worth supporting that creator, that, uh, you know, character, whatever it might be in combinations they're in. It is, um, it is a big game changer in terms of this industry and the way that people look at these books and they look at these creators and, and the future potential of them, you know, exactly. Yeah. Do you know off the top of your head what kind of numbers we're talking in terms of like monthly sales? Like what's a what's a solid book in terms of sales? It's so hard to say nowadays. Like I don't want to talk out of my butt on this kind of stuff. I mean, you're right. seeing some of these, you know, reports of amazing launches, like crazy image launches for Department of Truth or crossover yeah. or stuff like this. Um, you know, and when I when we launched Wayward image was on this real rocket ride of like almost every new book everyone was like what's the next walking dead right next big deal you know and so uh you know we were for for me at my that point in my career it was sort of knocking me out like i couldn't believe that we were getting that kind of interest but it was this weird you know a bit of a bubble to it in that sense of people wanting to find the new hot creator own thing yeah and is it going to be a TV show? And man, you know, that Walking Dead number one is so hot and all that kind of stuff. Sure. But what was amazing about it was, is we were getting enough general interest at large that it turned into a viable readership, that we were able to spin that to 30 issues, you know, a, a, which in this point in time is pretty rare as a creator-owned concept and six trade paperbacks, you know what I mean? So, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a wild time right now because in some ways the, the shrinking number of titles that came out last year benefited some books because I think people had a bit more disposable income and they were just like, man, I'm looking for escapism for some strange reason. <laughs> um, you know, I want to, I want to kind of dig into this hobby that I love and all this kind of stuff. And so some of the books were benefiting from less overall noise in the market. You know True. what I mean? Oh, yeah. 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 You, you, you hear about it all the time, how like, you know, ex-publisher is making way too many books, oversaturating the market, and they can afford to do it. Just just, pub, just, just plug everything. Whatever succeeds will keep publishing. Whatever doesn't sure. will just cancel. Yeah. And there's a ton of different reasons for that. Um, like sometimes the publishers are looking at it as overarching kind of strategies, or they're trying to think a year and a half ahead for what the trade paperbacks are going to be or reprints or movie stuff or all kinds of different things. Sometimes it's, um, you know, it's predatory in the sense that they want to have a ton of books hit the shelf at the same time so they can take up as much shelf space as possible. Yeah. That's really crass, but it, it's true. You know, I've, I've heard it and I've seen it <laughs> and they're just like, Oh, okay. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you can see these real intense sort of uh, attacks on, right all right, we're going to make this a big, big deal. We're going to roll as much of it up as we can. Um, and yet on the other side of it, that's also can be a really good place to test new talent. It can be a really good place to find kind of unexpected momentum with a character, all kinds of different stuff. So, uh, you know, I hear all the time, like the, my social media is kind of um, inundated with people who say to me, oh man, I wish there was I'll just use some examples. Man, I wish Alpha Flight was back. Right. Like, 
I'm Canadian. I have to tell you. No, and I do. I generally <laughs> do. I love Alpha Flight, and it would be amazing to see that book return. I would be 100% on board with writing it. Um, I've got a bunch of cool ideas, and there are like five other Canadians doing stuff for Marvel, and we'd get in a fist fight. It would be great. Sure. Um, but the reality is, you know, uh, Marvel did a, a one-shot special of Alpha Flight, and it did fine but it didn't like knock, you know, the top off. Like it didn't right. blow people's brains out and go, Oh my God, why have we been holding on Sitting to on alpha flight for so long? Yeah, yeah. This, this money fountain in our <laughs> back pockets, what's going on here. And so because of that, you know, for better or for worse, that's probably, you know, put the seal on, on a new alpha flight series for the short term, you know, until something changes until, yep. Whatever. And I'm not it's saying there is movie, a TV show gets announced. Exactly. One of those, everyone's like, really? Puck the movie? Okay. You know, like it's happening. Guess we're getting um, an Alpha book. Like, <laughs> right. You know, uh, and yet even that's no guarantee. That's the sure. other interesting part. You know, WandaVision is arguably the hottest, uh, you know, show on Disney Plus right now. And there is currently no Vision or Scarlet Witch book nope. uh, on the stands. And so it's like, it's weird alchemy. Um, you know, but people say to me, oh man, you really love Wanda. And I do, I've written Scarlet Witch multiple times. I would love to do, uh, I, I have a pitch that I have put in for a Scarlet Witch project and I think is really cool. Plug, plug, plug. Um, <laughs> but, but it hasn't happened yet and it didn't, you know, get approved internally. And that's not like I'm the only person with that idea by any, nope. trust me, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> there are other people who have pitched who are interested, but is that, is that show interest going to translate into book sales? Is it going to translate into something viable that's going to hold over, you know, a proper period? That's arguable, you know? Yeah. So. The, the worst part of it is the other side of it, which is, of course, we're pick up a Wanda book now because right. there won't be a Wanda show <laughs> by the time. Again. Like, right, right. Right. Like there, there will never be a better time to do this. Right. right and if you right. miss your window, this may be the only window you have. But, you, you know, other times things change, like stuff moves off the schedule. So, for example, before there was a pandemic, you know, the uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier comic was timed to match up to when the show was going to be out right. on Disney Plus or the Eternals book was going to be out when the Eternals movie was really roaring and ramping up. Right. Yep. So all of a sudden you've got a moving target in place, which can also make things very difficult totally. because as much as we say, Hey, these are four months out. These books are not planned four months out. No. Right. So um, the thing that just got announced that reborn thing that Marvel's doing. Uh, yes. Heroes are born. Yes. Right, heroes reborn. Right. So, sorry. Uh, it's called heroes reborn internally. The documentation was just called reborn. We were <laughs> internally. So normally I think of that, but I like that. Uh, there's a Mark Miller Capullo book from Image. Oh, that's reborn. right. Too. That was called reborn. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, that's such a, I'm like, is that going to be a show in that Miller world thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but I'm the only one who thinks that. So don't worry. No, about it's all good, all good. So, um, but the, uh, you know, that thing gets planned months and months and months or potentially even over a year out. Yeah. You know? And so it's this weird thing of trying to put a stake in the ground and trying to go, okay, this is where we're going to build this thing. This is how it's all going to work. Yeah. Um, but when it finally does come around, make no mistake, the most important thing, as much as Marvel wants you to retweet their trailer or use their hashtag or anything else like that, all of that is meant to filter down to are you going to order the book? 
our retailer is going to order the book and in turn our fans going to be clamoring for it you know yeah, I mean? yeah. yeah absolutely so like at the end of the day if you tell them you want the book by by, <laughs> by sounds ordering, so basic you're like duh yeah yeah order it. but, but then, the problem is you don't do that in any other like world. You don't pre-order your groceries. You don't right. pre-order your, you know, your toiletries. Like, even though, you know, I, I know how many, how much toilet paper I go through in a month. Right. I know how much I'm going to need. I'll just tell the grocery store to keep hooking me up with toilet paper for this amount of time. <laughs> like there's, and I'll pay in advance. You know, there's no way that that works. Right. But with the comic industry, unfortunately, it's like, it, you know, it may seem like a hassle, you know, oh, I gotta, I, I, cause you don't know if you're going to have the budget for it in six months. Right, it's, right, right. But if you're going to buy it, especially if it, if you're only buying like two, three books a month, mm -hmm. it it pays in terms of longevity and survivability. Yeah, to... because it's not just about. I mean, you know, on the on the selfish level, you are guaranteeing that there's a copy waiting for you, which is true. Like, smart, you know, of course, great. Because yeah. the last thing you want to do is be like, oh, I would love to try something new, and then you're like, oh, I heard this, you know. A uh, uh, new book coming out is going to be really hot and amazing. It's called uh, Seven Secrets. It's by Tom Taylor. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard that's good. I want to try it. Oh, yeah, we're sold out. There's no way right. to copy. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that has its own damn, like it sounds exciting. It gives it that exclusivity. But at the same time, if you can't get it, yeah, you know, you're either going to get it digitally. So the comic book store is out. Right. And right. those numbers do not translate to. No, it's a very different sort of, uh, um, you know, the way that the digital numbers sort of filter down, they're very much additive, but they're not like going to swing a publisher right now to say, no. we will keep a book alive purely for a digital audience. Right. You know, and that's the the simple reality of it. But the but again, the most powerful thing you can do is by pre-ordering, you're doing two things. You're letting a retailer know you're interested, but you're also turning their attention to the possibility that other people will be interested. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the the weirdly kind of more potent aspect of it. Yeah. Because um, you know, all if there was a book they were going to order, I'm just throwing random numbers out, depends on the store, of course. Yeah. Three copies for the shelf. And then they get three pre-orders. They're like, well, now I'm ordering six copies. I might as well order eight or 10. Like at that point, I feel like I can get a little more momentum. Yeah. You know, I know that this person who pre-orders has got a very similar reading habit to these other three kind of people who come into my store. And now I can recommend it to them kind of in good, you know, conscience, or I can do a little bit more research. I mean, that's what the really good shops do where they're just totally. sort of looking and kind of going, okay, this has clearly got some legs. I got to figure out what's going on here, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, like there's also the whole, you know, balancing act of if I order a certain amount, I get incentives to order more. And so, you know, maybe that opens the threshold for your comic shop to have like variant covers or any other like incentives. any of those things. And, and nowadays, you know, the reality is that there was a definitely a few months there in 2020 where I thought, Oh, I think comic retail, this might actually be, the big crunch like this right. we've heard for years people like oh monthly comics can't survive retail can't survive all these kinds of things yep like i feel like last year was a was a crucible like it, you know yeah. if they can survive that i don't know that they're forever because everything's changing all the time but that seems like the biggest potential kind of pitfall in in modern history of comics you absolutely know what I mean? Yeah, And that we got through that. And if anything, some books are doing better than ever, which is mind boggling to me. Amazing. Completely. You know, that people are 
realizing, oh, I want to get this. It's the price of a fancy coffee. I totally want to get that stuff. That's cool. I want to read this. I'm excited about these things and I want to find out more about them. Yeah. But your pre-order has so much power right now because of because of the shakiness of retail, because your retailers need that kind of stability to know this is what I need to order. This is what I'm going to be able to fill. This is what is getting people excited. Yeah. Know? And so that on its own kind of thing, if you sounds really dork, if you love comics, if you <laughs> really love comics, um, that little bit of extra effort uh, can do a heck of a lot for your favorite retailer, for your favorite publisher and for your favorite creators. That's right. Because here's the thing, like you could, and, and so let's talk a little bit about the process because I, I'm, sure. I'm a little familiar with it. And the idea is literally you just go to your comic book retailer <laughs> and you can just basically say, cause they'll do the legwork cause that's their job. But like, of course I want to pre-order this series, just yeah. put it, put it in my box every month. But like that's, and that's not the same thing as a pre-order. Like that's a pull list. Like that's just sure. put it in my box. They'll order it for you. But like pre-ordering yes. is I, you know, you fill out a sheet and it's like, I'm want, I want this series or I want yeah. these two series. Yeah. Um, yeah. That sends a message for a lot of people. I know that they're either the, that they don't have access to a comic book store. Right. But they want to keep, you know, some series alive. You know, let's say Moon Knight, you know, Moon right. or, or Conan, for example. Oh, uh, hey. <laughs> Conan's that, book that appeals to a niche audience that, uh, you know. Is, uh, what are you talking about, Sal? It, well, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, objectively, you know, you see Conan, you assume, oh, sword and sorcery. Okay. But there's right. a lot more. There's a lot of depth. But you wouldn't know if you didn't buy it and if there wasn't a series. Right, right. Yeah, totally. So, you want Conan or you want to see, keep, or, or you're reading it and you want to keep it alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you could do is you can actually pre-order through comic book retailers online. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a bunch. There are a ton you, now. And you don't have to pick like one in Tallahassee. You don't have to be like, oh, uh, here's a random retailer. Like, no, you could just go to certain websites that sell right. comics, you yep. know. Yep, you can do it. And uh, there's a bunch of different ways for them to work. So some of them will like pack up your entire order for the month and they'll ship it to you in one kind of bundle yeah. as it is. Or you can sort of set the frequency of those things as well, which I totally. think is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that, so a book like uh, like Conan the Barbarian, and I, I can't help but smirk because it's like, well, duh, that's my book. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I love working on Conan and it's been an absolute, uh, you know, joy to be able to dig into this character that has such a long publishing history. It's, you know, Conan as a character has been around as long as Batman and, and Superman and stuff like that. The character, those original novels were in the 30s. Like that's the whole kind of deal. But um, Conan's kind of returned to Marvel, uh, you know, under Jason Aaron in, back in 2019. That was how that went. I'm like, brain, brain, right? Years, dates. What's your way? Yeah. Yeah, right? Um, you know, uh, and they did the 12 issues. And then uh, I started on issue 13. We had like two issues come out and then the pandemic hit. And it was this sort of rocky ride for the entire industry. We're back on now monthly. And one of the things that we, and by we, I mean my publisher, my editor, my artist, or me, all of us are doing now is saying, okay, hey, we're on the stands. This is a damn good book. You're going to really enjoy it. And the easiest way for us to communicate that to Marvel and to communicate that to everyone is pre-order the book. Yep. And, you know, you love the character? Great. Pre-order the book. You like the artwork I'm showing you? Great. Pre-order the book. And it's like, broken record kind of syndrome yeah. but at the end of the day that is the easiest most potent message that you send you know what i mean 
Yeah. Not just and and I'm thrilled when people retweet any of the stuff or if they say this looks awesome. And it's not like I want to be like grab every single one and go put your money where your mouth is, kid. Like, <laughs> you know, like I get it. You know, it's great. This looks cool. This is exciting. Yeah. But at the end of the day, all of that kind of falls away, and the sales numbers are the sales numbers. Now, Conan's doing well. We're happy with you know the book as a whole, but you know the natural attrition of these series and the way this stuff goes, you know you aren't just looking at now you've got to look and say six months, eight months, nine months, whatever. Yeah. A year and a half from now, based on the current trajectory, where are we going to be at? You know what right. I mean? And if I look and I go, well, what I want is I want to do Conan as long as humanly possible. I want readers to enjoy it as long as humanly possible. And I don't want to be there uh, at a convention once this stuff has all swept away and we're back traveling and seeing each other in person. And someone goes, Oh man, yeah, I was thinking about picking that up and I never got around to it. But then I read a couple and they were really good. Why aren't you still doing that? And yeah. I'm like, oh. That's like, why. Yeah. Like specifically yeah. <laughs> because you like the people who were reading it were and that's the problem. The problem is they don't stop selling you know duct tape because right. not enough people have advanced requested duct tape. <laughs> That would be kind of bizarre. That would be amazing. Bizarre, and it's hard. And it's hard to wrap your head around it. But like at yeah, yeah. the end of the day, the only thing, like the thing I want to to express, and what I want everyone to understand is like the that's the only language that the publishers understand is yeah. is non sales or pre orders. Like they don't care if you stumbled into a comic book store and picked up the latest issue of Conan and then never read another issue, or right. or read it month to month when it comes out. Because mm -hmm. that's only part of the equation. And it's right. too bad because like, yeah, if if a store runs out of stuff, they order more stuff right. to, to satisfy the demand. Sure, sure. Number one, demand is not nearly as much for comics as it is for essentials or like. Right. But it's also the nature of periodic storytelling, which is something different. Like if you're ordering a toy or you're ordering a game or something like that, yeah. like the 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 media is the thing, right? So right. Uh, when you watch a movie on Netflix, you know, the subscription is the watching, is the getting what you want out of it. Yes. But at some point in time, if you wanted to have it forever, if you wanted to keep it, the physical version of it, mm -hmm. you know, now that's becoming harder than ever, you know what yeah. I mean? In some ways, because people aren't thinking in those terms anymore. No. And so it's like, you know, comics are this interesting kind of medium where the transitory nature of it from month to month it changes and it keeps growing and the stories continue and new stories pop up and that's one of the things that makes it so exciting yeah as a you know as a creator as a reader as a fan is the fact that it's this constant moving thing that you're sort of grabbing hold of right but on the other hand it means it can just whip by so fast and uh it can be out of your grasp you know what i mean yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, which is uh, which is such a such a weird kind of part of the thing, but but just one of the one of those elements. Yeah, yeah. but I will say, here's the other thing: is that people are like, well, okay, so yeah, I want to see my, I want to see Conan survive. I know who writes. I got stressed by the way. I don't want people to think like Conan survived. Wait, no, is but Conan it, dead? What's going on? Why yeah. why would we use another example and pimp somebody else's sure. book when we could use I yours? Get it. I get it. But I do understand. I don't want to. Well, the last thing I want to do is any book that I mention, someone's going to, uh, there's going to be a bleeding cool article where they're going to say, is this book dead? What's, <laughs> Jim, what's Jim Zub talking about? Right. 
Trust me, Bleeding Cool has no regard for what we do over here. So. <laughs> I can't believe Venom 200 is the last issue. It must be selling terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah yeah anyways but but it's but uh but yeah no uh with respect to these books you know it's like yeah you might know you want to keep this book alive okay but right. it's harder to understand like well i don't know what books are available you know or what will be available right. well online categories exist and you don't need to get like the solicits in the mail or at your comic <laughs> to know what's going to come out in four months like you can literally just look it up yeah just check it out or when you see you know your favorite creator mentioning that they've got a new project coming out and this is the time they will beat the drum and they will let you know ad nauseum oh my gosh i've got a new thing coming out now's the time to pre-order it's as simple as and i've seen uh people tweet their comic book store if they have a twitter account and they'll say can you put this in my pull file and then they respond with yeah cool no problem and i'm like wow that is the easiest pre-order i've ever seen i've never seen that that's amazing it's amazing it's really good actually if they if the the store knows that customer knows they're on twitter right or they're using the real name or whatever i've seen people do it on facebook they'll facebook message their comic book store all the time all the time and mm -hmm. and there is no store that I'm aware of that would be annoyed by that in the slightest. If you said, <laughs> I would like to buy things, there's no store. From you, specifically. How dare you bother me on social media? That's not why how, I'm here. <laughs> how dare you ask me for these things to be bought? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, you can go to previewsworld.com yep. as one example. Sure. Uh, it, every link I'm going to provide or suggest is in the description below this My video, by the way. Shop is the other one that you can check out. Which one? My Comic Shop. MyComicShop.com. They're all down there. You can, you can cycle through all the books that are coming out, mm -hmm. and they have online order forms you can fill out Done. that allow you to do that. Uh, there's going to be a preview short order form you can fill out. You can literally just fill out which books you want, how many you want, or if you just yep. say all. And uh, I think that that's the kind of thing that um, if you're ordering a lot of stuff that yeah. can save people a lot of time. If you sure. just want to fill out a couple series, you know, go directly to your comic book shop, let them handle Maybe. that kind of process. You know, yes. you don't have to jump through the extra hoops of it as exactly. far as that goes. Yeah. And I think that that's one of those things that when you look at other mediums, it does there isn't a one-to-one -one translation as much. No. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe with those collector's editions and stuff like that, but, right. but very, very little in that way. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, yeah, I guess that we've heard of examples of like omnibuses or collected editions that didn't make South it. Through. Yeah. yeah. So they, you know, they announced them and then they unannounced them. Oh yeah. That's right too. Yeah. Some of the stuff will literally not come out. If, if a publisher puts together a solicit and they can't generate enough orders right. to justify printing the thing, they might go back to the drawing board or just cancel it completely. Oh, yeah. I guess people aren't interested in, I don't want to rip on anyone's book. No. Or, yeah, but, just make it A up. complete Batmite omnibus, like, or whatever. Like, you know, yeah. I, I guess they're not down with, you know, the 4,000 page ambush bug special. I, right. I can't believe it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Ambush bug fans coming at me full force now. Um, you know, but, um, but that's the whole thing. Like, like it is, yeah, that all they can do is look at what those orders are and sort of say, well, based on what we've seen, we will get this many more reorders. Yeah, that's not even, it's literally not worth the paper it's printed on. It's really <laughs> not worth, it's not worth putting ink on paper, shipping it, 
because we will not get a return on our our investment. You know, you literally I mean? in uh, in in the collectibles market where uh, with um, God, who is it? It's uh, it's the big ones. Sideshow. Yeah, uh, yeah. You they'll show you this amazing statue yeah. that's like however much six thousand dollars. Right, right. And you and every time you're like, holy God, I have to buy that, and I have six thousand dollars. I don't. Of course, I don't who doesn't? Right, just to drop for your favorite. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, if you want it, you know, you click on the order button and you see, oh no, it's actually pre-order. And if they don't hit a number, mm-hmm. you don't get that statue. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah. It's the 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 sort of basics of some of this stuff, and so it's a you know it's an interesting time in terms of whatever, all the pop culture stuff that we love, it's this giant stew. Everyone's trying to grab your attention. Everyone wants to tell you, check out my thing, read my thing, you know, get on board. Um, But the future of a lot of this stuff really does depend on where you decide you're going to spend your dollars and cents and what you feel is a priority. You know what I mean? And, and they're watching and they're reacting to it. You know, most right. I remember using a using a very uh, specific example um, when Renew Your Vows became an ongoing series. Mm-hmm. And all the marriage proponents came out of the woodwork, and they were like, "Like, I I want this series to continue," and right. it didn't. Right, right? like right. eventually it did, and right. they had to. And I remember in the midway point, they did a time jump, and they made all these changes. And part of the reason they did that is, I'm certain, because. Orders were low, sales were down. They said, "Oh well, do do a big change, you know, switch things over," because they did a creative shift and they did a time jump. So it's right. like, okay, that's one of those like peaks and valleys you were talking about, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, make a change, give it a boost. It yeah. didn't, and the book eventually was canceled. Right. And not only like you can affect major change with pre-orders, not just by making a, a, book, a book survive. Sure. Can you imagine having? Amazing Spider-Man, a book right. that is in continuity. It's happening over there. Mm-hmm. The Renew Your Vows Spider-Man book that's in another reality. Right. And have the pre-orders outsell Amazing Spider-Man. Well, right. that would send a message, wouldn't it? That would tell Absolutely. Marvel, oh my God, I guess people want a married Spider-Man. You know, like, right. it sends those kinds of messages and it's the only ones that they listen to. Look at... Yeah. Uh, Girl, that was a book that was like yeah. perpetually canceled and came back, and it only came back because letter campaigns, and more importantly, because people pre-ordered the book. Yep, yep, and it makes it 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 can be amazing to see those kinds of um, you know kind of fan pushes yeah. to bring books back from the brink or to bring them back from cancellation completely, yeah. or you know trade paperback sales because those are the long tail, right? Like those are the and and I a lot of people say to me. Oh man, I don't get single issues anymore. You trade or, weight. You can totally, but if you're going to trade weight, pre-order the trade. You know, right, same please. kind of deal, right? Because then you're still saying four or five months in advance, I'm in for this. This totally interests me. You know what I mean? So, right, like our first uh, trade of Conan into the Crucible comes out in April, and it's like we're in the midst of the pre-order period now. That trade is going to, you know liver like that will help the overall trajectory of the series the other thing that i know and i can't go into too much detail on it but um although they don't always get exact numbers foreign publishers also look and say 
to publishers, what are your hottest books? If a book is doing phenomenally well in trade, there's a better chance it gets translated into multiple languages. Though that is kind of like money, you know, profit on top of the regular, uh, you know, publishing income. And a book can kind of get on people's radar and they go, oh, oh, you know, this is, there's a lot of readers in Latin America. Oh, there's a lot of Spanish. There's a lot of French. There's a lot of German, you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe we should do more with that character. Or we should try and retool this or, or, or make this more of a thing. You yeah, know a I mean? wider yeah. So it can have ripple effects as well in all sorts of unexpected ways that um, I think your average reader doesn't realize where they just look and they go, yeah, yeah, whatever. You got my four bucks. Right. I, listen, I have enough going on. I go to the comic book store or, you know, I, I, have, a, I have a subscription, you know. But if you have if you have a subscription, you absolutely have no excuse not to be pre-ordering because you're already it's already yeah, you already have a pull file, right? Yeah, totally. Just you know, get on get on board with it. And you know, some of them are some of those are very creator driven. Well, they'll say, "I want everything that so and so does," you know. And those, I mean, that is a huge vote of confidence that someone's literally saying, "Sight unseen, I will take whatever this this writer or artist does right. because they took my talk or whatever," you know. Did you see the you, you seen the the response on online when Marvel announces creative teams for a book mm -hmm. uh, and it's not coming out for two or three months? People yep. go, "Oh my God, take my money! Here's the Fry yep. meme." Yeah. Well, if you are going to post a GIF of Fry taking out money, <laughs> you, you have are the, now obligated. You, you must have at least the amount of time to pre-order that book. Tell right, them right. I want that when that comes right. out. I want it, and I want it until they cancel it. Yes. Yes. Or you could always be like, I want it for six months and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think it's a thing where it's totally reasonable to move on and off series. It's totally reasonable to fall in and out of love with a characters or creators or whatever else and be like, okay, I'll try this. I gave it a shot. Not really my jam. And I've had conversations with people where they were like, you know what? I read some of your stuff and I thought it was okay. And then I left and then I came back and then it finally clicked for me. I finally got it. And I was like, cool, that's great. I'm glad that, you know, we finally got you or whatever. Like it, 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 it all kind of came together. Um, you know, but, I think it's great to, one of the things I try to do when it comes to creator owned books in particular is I try to sample as much as possible. First of all, cause uh, those are my peers and I wanna see what's coming out and what people are doing. I think, you know, creator owned books absolutely live or die on, on those pre-orders that it's so, so incredibly potent because you can make someone's career, you can make, the viability of their own original ideas as a long-term kind of, you know, career thing for them. If you, if you put your money down, if you say, you know, and we all heard about it, like that book ice cream man that came out and everyone was talking about it at image. And I was sort of like, I would never have read that book normally, but now I'm, I'm fascinated. I want to dig in, you know, any of them. It's uh yeah, it's massive. So like, demystifying the process of pre-orders i think is essential for the survivability and the viability of the yeah yeah if that's not enough right how about this there are certain places mycomicshop.com i think previous world as well if you pre-order the book you'll get a discount dun, dun, dun. even cheaper yeah yeah so people are bitching and moaning about how it's like oh books are five dollars both six bucks well <laughs> you're buying it anyway right right why not get it for a buck or two less yep same when it comes out 
you know, you're not waiting because I talk about this where if you are a completist, but you hate the book, don't buy it because it's like the inverse of pre-ordering. Like literally right. don't buy the book anymore and the book will get canceled. But like if you need to have the book, wait, don't buy it and then get it at like a comic shop in the back issue spin because like because like, you know, games at GameStop. Right. They don't they don't see the money for that. Like right, and, and right. you'll get it for like half off the price or more. Right, right. So you can save yourself a percentage of your normal everyday monthly cost of comics if you pre-order. And you still get it when it happens. So you're not missing out on anything. Right, right. Yeah, I think that, you know, and the immediacy of the conversation that happens around the books yeah. is one of the things that's really exciting about comics. In totally. the same way that we're watching these TV shows week to week, you know, Mandalorian or WandaVision or anything else. <clears throat> and you're like fascinated, you know, the new episode, when we recorded this, the new episode came out last night at midnight. Right. I haven't watched it yet, trying desperately not to be spoiled. Me too. <laughs> right? And so it's like just going to dodge that part of social media. And then over dinner, my wife and I are going to watch it. And then we can sort of plug into the conversation and go, okay, let's theorize. Or, oh, yes. this is really cool. Or, you know, uh, when when are they going to use something I created and send me a royalty check? No, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Like just um, that part of the broader kind of pop culture conversation, I think is really fun. And I know people can feel a little bit burned out on that kind of stuff. Like they're like, oh, there's too many things. There's too much stuff. Sure. You know, plug into the stuff that you're most passionate about, get engaged in and order the books that you're super excited about, and then stir up some of those conversations, add to that kind of feel like, hey, this is really cool. I think other people should know about it yes. because your friend circle trusts you more than they trust a banner ad, more than they trust a, a corporate retweet or whatever else. You know what I mean? Um, and that's really kind of uh, the other kind of potent part of the equation. Yeah. Like you can kind of drive the, the pop culture sphere for your friends. Like I know um, I would go to different comic shops and do signings and I would always ask them, what is the hot book, you know, at your store? And a lot of them would be the ones you'd expect, but almost all of them would have one or two titles that were completely out of left field. And I was like, why, why is that book selling? And it was like one of two things, either, the people that were at the, the cash register loved that book. So mm -hmm. they talked it up all the time and it just washed over the readership at that particular store. Right. Or, and this is usually a combination of, they'd had that creator at the store for a signing um, and it had created this long-term kind of bulwark of, of fandom at that particular location. You know, you, know, you come from a background of many different multimedia facets, right? Not yeah. just comics. Yeah, yeah. I've done work in animation and, and video games and stuff. Yeah. Web comics. And I think that yeah. that speaks to your savvy in a way that your peers in the comic book industry don't. Huh. Because as a web comic creator, right. your job is you are the writer, the artist, or at the very least, like the web designer, you're yeah. the marketer, you're the t shirt salesman, you're the designer. <laughs> like, Literally, yeah. you are, and your job is to get people to come to your website and look at your comic. Yes. And I think understanding that business speaks to the savvy of this is how we need to get people involved. And yeah, yeah. I think and it's one of those things where you've got to come by it honestly. Like, 
you can tell when someone is not passionate about something or when they're just going through the motions or when they, you know, they're just doing it for a paycheck. That's the, the, the saying, right? And it's like, if that is what is coming off at the start of this process, then right. no one, you're not going to get people. You're not going to engage them. You're not going to excite them about the potential of this thing. But yes. when people are genuinely excited, the reason why, you know, we, we love some of these books, like, like I think of the wicked and the divine. Right. Sure. And I think of Kieran and Jamie online. They're hilarious, by the way, if you yeah. don't follow them on Twitter and the way they bitch and moan at each other, like an old married couple, but not only that, but the book was also great on top of that. So you have the discussion about the book, you have the social media and the way that they're kind of fun and they clearly love making this thing. Right. And it is kind of infectious. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah you're just so darn excited about this. I, I'm going to give it a shot. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's why you guys go to conventions is to create yep. this kind of like personal experience. Like, yeah. and I think it's part of the reason why I like to have comic creators on our show where it's like, look at these human beings. <laughs> well, I think, and that's one of the things that, it sounds really weird. One of the big difficulties that they've had uh, in terms of stuff like piracy is uh, particularly, I think, with with uh, manga and anime is that because that stuff is being created over in Japan and those creators don't, a lot of them don't speak English or engage with English fandom, it can feel like I'm not really stealing. They're way over there. I'm not really... <laughs> I'm not really hurting an industry because look how many millions of copies they're selling or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. just super excited about it. And that's the most important part. And it's like, yeah, I get it. But the reality is we are, you know, these creators are people, you know, we are trying to make a living at this and it would be cool if we had, you know, manga sales of millions of copies and all that kind of stuff, but we don't. You know, and that can hold true even with very, very well-known pop culture properties. You know yeah. what I mean? In yeah. this day and age, it feels weird that we're simultaneously um, boosted up by the brands, but also competing with, you know, well, I, I had an amazing conversation with someone where they said, you know, back in the day, you didn't have to, the only place you could get Captain America was on the new issue of Captain America. Yeah. Well, now you can get the t-shirts and the video games and the movies and the action figures and the thing. It's like, you could be a Captain America fan and never read the comics. Yeah. You know? Well, there's a ton of those, not just Cap, but like- Of course, everything. The Most right. Iron Man fans are just like, yeah, I, I love Robert Downey Jr. And it's like- Yep, have you and that's read cool. You know, <laughs> as, as a broader kind of pop culture footprint, right. but it's like, okay, if you want to know the ongoing story of Tony Stark, you know, at the source, this is where you go. You know, yeah. you should be reading Iron Man right now. And it's great. It's a series well worth supporting, yeah. you know, and that's the kind of thing that can be a little bit weird because when I tell people I write Conan the Barbarian, they go, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you must be making tons of money. And it's like, well, slow it, slow down there. Yeah. That movie came out uh, in the early eighties and uh, you know, uh, it's different. You know what I mean? It's not right. just a simple one-to-one. -one. And that's not to say like I'm banging a friggin' tin cup. I'm fine in the grand scheme of things, but it's like, yeah, I want this book in as many hands as possible. I want people excited about it and I want them to see I'm passionate about it. Uh, Corey and everyone else on the team's passionate about it. Putting some of the best work I think we've ever done on the page. You should check this sucker out. You and know, that's the that's, thing. Like, yeah, 
if you if if you feel strongly, it doesn't have to be Conan. And I'm sorry, I, yeah. I didn't mean to suggest that like we're we're doing that. Like that we're just trying right. to rattle cages and get yeah, people yeah, like or that we're doing like the uh, the the Conan call in, like we're like, give your five dollars, save Conan, <laughs> we call save Conan. Like Conan's yeah. not in need of saving. Yeah. It's he's not starving like a... right now, and if you don't pay your five dollars, he's gonna drop dead right here on the spot. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, you know. I just figured you're right in Conan. We'll use him as an yeah, example. Yeah. But I want you all to buy Conan, obviously, you know. Yeah, and but if you don't like it, yeah. there's other right. things you do like. And if you want to see it survive, if you yeah. feel passionately about it, if you love this thing and you yeah. love this series, and particularly if you love the creative team, yes, you're like, I love Spider-Man, but I hate what's happening. Or I love this character, but I hate what's happening. You know, that the, the pre-orders tells the, 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 the retailer and by extension, the distributor and the publisher. Yeah. They want to like, don't upset the Apple card. Cause every right. time that like there's, there's dips and there's, I mean, there's also the other inverse where it's like, oh, like the book's doing really well. Now let's see how we can fix it. Uh, right. But if we just, if you could just hold the line it's doing very nicely and right, it has right. it steady, yep. uh, you can keep yep. that going. Like, you know, if, if, if Conan hit a certain number month sure. to month, you'd never stop writing the book. No, of course not. Like, that's the thing is that there's a reason why you see um, those longer runs. Why did Jason Aaron write Thor for so many years? Because no matter what, it never dipped below a certain amount. There was a, a, a nice groundswell of excitement. And the longer you know you're on a series, the easier it is for you to do the kind of long-term planning that becomes a seminal run, that becomes something that people talk about for years. And they right. go, man, they had it all planned out. Well, I guarantee, and this is no knock against Jason or anyone else, there were versions of that story that were much shorter. Right. There were versions of that story that were like, well, six issues, that cuts off right there and yep. wrap that sucker up where you know, we walk away, right? Yeah. And then there's the 12-issue version, the 18-issue version, the 24, how many trades can we go? And so on and exactly. so forth. And so if you know, if, if a publisher says, man, this is killing it, you've got as much road as you need and you're like, great, now I'm going to put it into another gear. I'm going to slam my foot down and we're going to rocket ride this thing. We're going to yeah. do it because I know I've got the room to make this as big and to build as many subplots and to be as cool as possible, yeah. you know, instead yeah. of just being like, well, at every stage, I've got to build in an escape hatch and it's a real short, you know, parachute because... I don't know. I don't know how long I got. I don't know exactly. how when it's going to cut me off at the knees, right? Because yeah. I want to give you a satisfying story as a reader. Right. I don't want to leave you with a cliffhanger, right? No. And on the other end of things, I also, you know, want to be able to complete this and and make it something I'm proud of, you know? Exactly. So it's this weird kind of duality to the thing. I mean, it would be great if when you walked in the door on a series, they said, okay, kid, you got 48 issues, you know? <laughs> Do, do what, what you're gonna do, like yeah, yeah. work your magic. Yeah, yeah, you play your cards yeah. right, you might get another 48 more. Like that's you know, right, that's, that's right. How that yeah, works, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and it can be sort of um, awkward too because I've seen this where they they call it like a soft cancellation or whatever. You know, you literally open up the issue and then at the end it says, "Oh, it's our last issue," and you go, "What?" I'm, because they don't want to make a big deal out of it. They don't want to like you know, because they don't want you to know four months in advance. Yeah. Hey, it's not happening. Right. You know? So it's that weird sort of thing where you're like, all right, we're going to quietly walk off into the sunset and do the thing, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I've weird. seen that a lot more over the last 10 years than ever before. Just this yeah. idea. 
the book just quietly goes away. Well, and it, it creates a weird situation, I think, with some of the creative teams where you're sort of like, well, we haven't been told 100% we're dead in the ground and buried. So maybe, maybe. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, no, there's the dirt. Okay, okay. Yeah. We're good. Oh. And that's the thing. It's like, if your book is in the maybe. Right. If, can you imagine how different it would be? How changed it would be? How What kind of like, if you want to, you know, in, if you want to date this episode, you know, like there's the Wall Street situation, right? Where like a bunch of <laughs> right. a bunch of editors just completely destroyed a bunch of head fund managers. Yes. And if you want to send that kind of message and just watch people freak out, imagine ten thousand people just suddenly pre-order a book that like is selling a certain number. Oh yeah, I mean, if you right nowadays that would be monstrous. There's a real world example of this kind of thing from several years ago. Um, so web comics, you know, have really big audiences. Yeah. Uh, Ryan North and a bunch of other people had a book coming out called Machine of Death. And it was an anthology of a bunch of stories predicated on this concept of there's a little machine and you put in, I can't remember, a dollar and you get a little ticker tape that spits out when you're going to die and how you're going to die. Sometimes it's a riddle. Sometimes it's very blunt and simple and whatever else. And they got a bunch of these authors to write short stories around this premise. Where is this machine? What are these, you know, uh, um, like the, the 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 little messages and how does it play? Is it ironic? Is it funny? Is it dark? Is it sad? All these different things. And what they told all their readerships was, they said, don't order the book until this day. I, then we're going to all ask you to order it the exact same time yeah. on Amazon. And it was a number one seller on Amazon, not in a category on Amazon. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you did the Redditor thing of, I don't know the number. I'm just making up a number. Yeah. A thousand people suddenly ordered a thing in three hours. Yeah. And their algorithm goes, the wahaha. Yep. Throws this it up is, on the front page. Everyone sees it. It sells more. It becomes the self-fulfilling thing. Exactly. The self-fulfilling prophecy. So all of a sudden, a bunch of traditional book retailers who were not going to carry that book said, well, why am I not ordering that book for my store it's the number one seller on amazon <laughs> it's the number one seller on amazon so they turned and it was all genuine sales they weren't like cheating or anything no yeah they just told their audience laser focus they were like yeah. don't don't wait for it wait wait till you see the whites of their eyes right. and then fire <laughs> and it was like boom that was the attack that made it all happen that was and it it propelled a bunch of them in terms of their writing careers mm -hmm. it propelled a bunch of them in terms of visibility it changed the you know the trajectory of that particular book and yeah. inadvertently a bunch of kind of your favorite webcomic people. Wow. And it was a really, really smart thing. It was a really neat kind of an experiment. And so it's like, I don't know if there's, you know, if we could do that in a traditional comic equivalent, mm. but you can definitely, you can change corporate minds. You can move, you know, mountains with this stuff. If you are able to kind of mobilize, yeah. you know, and 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 retailers want that kind of stuff. They want excitement. Publishers want excitement. They want to know what you think is awesome. That's right. You know? yeah. Jim, it's always a pleasure. Speaking of awesome, great to have you here. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, right. listen, so if there's any takeaway, of course, uh, pre-order your books. Any, yeah. The books you love, if you love them, pre-order them. And yeah, 
Um, I'll give you a couple that you could pre-order. <laughs> so yeah. uh, doing right now, I'm doing Conan the Barbarian. I know yes. we mentioned that a bunch of times. Uh, the trade paperback is coming out in April into the Crucible. Super proud of it. This is a character that um, meant a lot to me as a kid and means even more to me now because I get to add to their incredible legacy as the original kind of sword and sorcery character. Um, we've got our new story arc is starting in April, with, or sorry, in March with uh, issue number 19. Corey Smith is coming on board as our regular artist. He is drawing the best damn pages of his life. Um, I don't care if you love or hate my writing, you have to get this book for the art. It, it looks phenomenal. Uh, I am so, so proud of what we're putting together. Um, the trade paperback for Stranger Things Dungeons and Dragons is coming out this summer. The last issue of the, the miniseries should be coming out soon. Uh, really, really proud of this. If you love that Netflix show, if you love the nostalgia in Dungeons and Dragons, which is bigger than ever right now, yep. check it out. Absolutely, 100%. So um, those are kind of two projects that I've got on the go and I'm super proud of. I could hit you with a bunch of others, but I don't want to ramble off into the forever. Sure, sure. Well, if there's one book that's coming out you're not writing, Right. What should people be buying right now that, that oh, you would recommend? Put me on the spot. Because <laughs> now it's like, I, it, whatever I say, my friends are going to be like, Oh, hey, yeah, that's it. true. All right. No, no, I'll, I'll say a book that I don't think is getting enough uh, good hype. If you're not reading uh, Sea of Sorrows at IDW, it's mm. a creator-owned book. It's really atmospheric. It's got great horror. Uh, it's got some great characters in it. Uh, check yeah. it out. I think you will really enjoy it. It's a little offbeat. And um, it's it's the kind of book that if Rich was a bigger writer in the industry, it would be the next big boom, holy crap, everyone's buying it book because right. the quality is there. But I think it's just a little off people's radar in terms of visibility. Uh, you know, as a it, it's like a creator own book and he hasn't done kind of big two work. So it's like, right. okay. Get that book on your on your pull list. Try out, you know, grab it on Comicsology or something. Read one issue. I think it'll not. I think it'll grab you. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't take away from that. So check it out, and uh, we'll see you guys next time with another episode. Of course, make sure to uh, subscribe here and uh, like the video. It helps out uh, the channel. And we'll see you guys next time, Jim. Always a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll see you again soon. Yeah.